the way I'd like to describe flying is if you closed your eyes and you dreamt about a place where you feel absolutely free and that place has no limits or no bounds, that is what flying feels like. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, being in the sky, seeing the world from a different point of view, um, that sense of freedom, just being suspended in the sky. It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. A little bit scary, but absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know, it's that feeling that I think most of us in the industry keep chasing every single day. You know, when people wake up and say they're going to work, that's the feeling that they chase. When uh, someone, you know, hears like, you know, a, a young black uh, person who's in the aviation space and they're wondering, you know, what do you, what does one study and how do you get there? Can you elaborate more on like your journey to being part of um, aviation and how, what interested you in the field and how did you get to, um, you know, study and work towards it? Well, I, I have um, a not so linear story of how I got into the industry, but how effectively I really, really started falling in love with aviation. Uh, it was from a young age. Um, my grandparents lived in a small village just outside of Rustenburg called Rasimone, which is near Sun City. And back in the day, in the early 2000s, Sun City used to be this very bustling uh, tourist location. And Pilansburg Airport, which is the airport that serves Sun City, used to be very busy. You know, you'd see jets flying in, you'd see aircraft flying in. And so every time I went to my grandparents' place, you know, I'd be so fascinated about these flying machines that I'd never seen before. And, you know, growing up in a small town, it's not always that you get to see an airport or you, you get exposed to aircraft. So growing up, it has always just been a fascination, never been a huge, huge interest. Um, but fast forward to about early high school, late primary school, you know, I started um, getting the sense of joy from, you know, the wanderlust of traveling, of aircraft, of the complexity of these flying machines. And I started reading magazines. I started watching videos. I started um, collecting stickers and stuff like that. And over time, my passion just grew and grew and grew and grew. But mm. during that time, I was never you know, so adamant to become a pilot. I think it was out of my peripheral, considering that I'd never met a pilot before. I'd never been to the airport before. I'd never considered, I'd never researched how to become a pilot uh, in South Africa and if it was even possible. And one of the big things was that I'd never seen a person who looks like me being a pilot. So that was um, one of those things that kind of deterred me. So I was very adamant of, to study law or politics in, in, in university. So fast forward to about late high school, I meet a couple of friends at school. Um, and one of my friends, he is passionate about aviation, super, super passionate. And I'm just like, dude, you don't know how passionate I am about this thing as well. And he's like, go for it, dude. If you love it so much, go for it. And that's where the journey started, where I started researching, um, you know, and then I stumbled across um, this whole new world in South Africa, considering that the aviation world in South Africa is so, so niche and very, very small, it was very hard to get information. But I took that leap. 
I sat my parents down and, you know, it's very hard sitting down with uh, black parents and telling them about going into a career that they've never seen anyone do. Um, so my mother fully supported me and that's how the, the, it started. You know, I went to flight school and from flight school, obviously things started rolling. Um, but yeah, I was never an exceptional student. So there is also that misconception that you need to be um, absolutely exceptional in school to become a pilot and stuff like that. I never did maths and science. Um, I was just very, very passionate about it. And, you know, once you step into flight school, you realize that it's a whole new science, actually. It's a whole new um, learning curve that you have to get through. So, yeah, it's, it was an interesting journey, but it's been a journey that has taken me thus far. And I've, I've been able to um, see Africa, I've been able to, you know, uh, explore different jobs within the industry. So it's been super, super interesting, super, super enjoyable. It's so, it's so incredible. Um, because I mean, especially because, you know, when, when, when people think about, you know, um, um, aviation or specifically becoming a pilot, they, they, they see it as this complicated, you know, very hard industry to break through. And I'm pretty sure it is. And also mostly very expensive. Um, and so to, to be able to break through that at such a, at such a young age and accomplish what you have, I just want to, you know, also get into like, can you explain like technically, you know, how the whole system works and how do you become a pilot eventually, um, and the license, uh, that you, you have and your journey into, um, uh, getting it. The flying or the pilot journey is very different for most people. So they are sort of. Um, three different ways you can get into it. You can be privately funded. So meaning that you can become a pilot from the age of 16, uh, become a private pilot from the age of 16, where you are privately funded from family or friends or from your personal savings. And you can go through the whole sort of career path all the way up to becoming an airline pilot privately funded. And then you have the other portion, which is a cadet program or a sponsorship where companies would sponsor you or airlines would sponsor you to become a part of the airline and they would train you all the way until you become an airline pilot. That route is a little bit more rigorous because, um, you know, there's so many terms and conditions and standards and proficiency and stuff like that. That is the route that most people are accustomed to and have the preconceived idea that it's very hard getting into the industry because of those standards set by those companies and yeah. most of the companies are the big companies that we know. And then you have the other route, which is the military. Military is also a very difficult route, but it's a route that is very doable. It's one of the easiest ways to get into the industry um, where you, you join the Air Force, your whole studies are covered, you have a job afterwards, you know, you have a nice career path, you get to fly cool aircraft. So it's it's really just finding what works for you, but also looking at your situation and looking at, you know, where you want to go to. But one thing is for sure is that whatever dream that you have or end goal that you have, you will get there. No matter what path you take, you will fly, you will feel that magic. Mm -hmm. And um, the journey to becoming a, um, a pilot, and I'll speak from a um, civil aviation side, I'm not a military pilot, uh, which I almost became one, but from a civil aviation side, um, there are three licenses, right? You have a private pilot's license, mm -hmm. a commercial pilot's license, and an air transport pilot's license. So the way you can think about it is like you have a high school diploma, a degree, and a master's degree type of situation. Now, with a high school diploma, you know, you know the basics, 
you can probably get a job, but you can't get like very advanced jobs, you know, um, and that's what a private pilot license gets you. You, you can get a, a job, but you won't do the fancy flying, like the, the big jets and stuff like that. You will be able to fly for fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a license where even a private person who really just enjoys flying, they can just get that license just so they can fly around, do their personal work and stuff like that. And then a commercial pilot's license is where you want to find yourself. Uh, a commercial pilot's license allows you to be employable. Um, you are able to do advanced flying. You are able to do other cool flying where you can fly the big jets. You can fly the top airliners. You can basically do everything. And then the air transport pilot license is most people in, in the general public call it captains. Uh, when you have an air transport pilot license, you're eligible to become a captain. So that means you have experience because the experience needed to get that license, you need about 1,500 flying hours, you need about six exams, you need to do this many um, flying uh, courses and stuff like that. So that's more the advanced license. Um, right now, I am a commercial pilot and I'm working, obviously, in the next couple of years, working to, to building my hours to become an air transport pilot license holder so that I can qualify to be a captain. Um, so, yeah, and the, the course is very straightforward. And, you know, a little known fact is that um, a pilot license is a self-study course. So it's not a course where you have to finish it during a predetermined amount of time. So it can take you three years or four years or 10 years to do a pilot's license. Um, it is a self-study course, obviously, with rigorous standards and proficiency checks throughout the way. But you can do it at your pace or whatever pace you prefer. Fast forward after you, you studied and now you're like you've launched uh, your, your, yourself and um, your career. Um, sort of like, you know, what kind of um, change do you want to did you want to see in aviation? Because for such a long time, you know, um, you know, it, the the industry had a specific face, right? And so you come yeah. in, young black man, um, and 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 you are occupying a space within the, a, a huge industry and you're making such um, impact. You know, um, I was reading um, this article um, that you um, uh, and, uh, started, you know, this initiative following the July riots um, last year where you, you called a few friends and you pulled together, uh, you were able to raise funds, you know, for uh, donations for the affected communities um, in KZN. Um, I just wanted to find out, you know, uh, how do you combine um, your passion, you know, for aviation and becoming a pilot and the work you do um, in philanthropy? How do you how do you merge those two things? Because I think when people think about um, pilots, it's just like, you know, you, you guys are in, in a very exclusive space and and a lot of money, you know, is 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 is. Uh, part of the deal. So giving back is not necessarily something someone would sort of like link, you know, between um, aviation and um, um, philanthropy work. Yeah, that's a very, uh, it's a very interesting thing. And, and for me, it was, well, it was a very, I wouldn't say difficult, but I was in a very tight position. So like I said, I'm all about impact, you know, wherever I can impact people is where I want to be. And I would always been a person that said that 
I really want to give back with the little privilege that I have. I'd love to give back. I'd love to assist people. So the industry is very niche, but the community, however, is very, how can I put it, helpful. You know, we're a group of guys who are um, brought together by passion, mostly driven by passion. And when the time came for us to step up as a community and mobilize our assets and sacrifice our time to give back to the to our communities to to people in need it was not a very uh, difficult choice for us it was just you know it's time to step up but for me it was extra important to be able to say that i'm not going to wait for anyone to do it i'm going to do it myself you know i might not have a plan on how to do it but i will start doing it and over time, what starts to happen is that people get inspired by the action that you take. So even in the beginning, when the July riot started, I remember one of the, the biggest problems that we had and the calls I was getting was that the roads to KZN are blocked. Um, the kids don't have baby formula. There is no nappies and stuff like that. And literally the first thing that went into my mind is said, I said, if people can't drive in there, they can always fly in there. And I remember the next day, um, we managed to get one aircraft, packed it with nappies that we had bought from the local store, and we flew it down. And someone picked up that we were doing that, and they came along, and then, you know, 30 other people started joining. We raised over 3 wow. million rand, and wow. we moved about 15 tons of stuff. So it was just a snowball effect of the action that I took to want to give, to want to help. And so that was very, very special. And I mean... That is the, the positive side of the community. And that is the side that I think for me will forever remain with me. Mm. In the industry, however, when you start to get into more the serious stuff, you know, when, when you start to tackle now the serious issues about transformation, when you tackle the issues of taking up space for real and wanting to have ideas, it's very, very difficult. Um, the market is very small. They, we are in a country where previously um, people of color were not allowed in the industry. And it was only quite recently that people of color were taking up space. I mean, the first black pilot only started flying in 1996. Um, you know, we've only, in, early in the late 2000s, we only had the first black captain at SAA. Um, it was only quite recently we had one of the first few black guys started flying private jets. So it's, it's those sort of wheels of change that are taking time, but they're not taking time because of systemic, particularly systemic problems. It is because of, to be honest with you, access. Mm. Access has been some of the, one of the biggest issues that we had to face as people of color and previously disadvantaged individuals. A lot of people just don't have access to opportunity. They don't have, and if, even if they have access to opportunity, they don't have access to upskill themselves so that they can take that opportunity but on top of that we've faced problems with um you know just the dwindling markets and stuff like that so it's just a conglomeration of all these big things playing a big role and when i discovered that you know i have many ideas about this industry i want to change so many things you know i want to take up space i want to be a voice of reason i want to do that i decided that I'm not going to let the problems keep me down. Mm. If I want to do something, no matter the consequence, I will do it. Because at the end of the day, people will remember me for what I've done and not what I said I would do. 
And I was lucky enough to meet some people who were on the same wavelengths and who understood the language that I was speaking. Um, I had a, a boss that I was working with that really pushed me to, to explore, that pushed me to um, you know, put my ideas into reality. And so that propelled me to a, a level where I could say, I can have my opinion on things. I can have ideas about what I want to establish in the market. And that's how my business was born to say that I can see gaps in the market. I might not be able, I might not be fit at the current moment to take up the space that I want to take, but it's a journey that I'm willing to take. And I'm supported by a group of people who understand the ideas, who understand the reason why, and who also understand the significance of why a young black man would want to go into a particular industry that black people had never explored before or go into an industry or a, a you know, an area in the industry where it's very pe peculiar for a young man or a young woman to be able to take up space. So it is, it's always been, you know, a confluence of confidence, mm -hmm. support, and, you know, again, wanting to impact. And, and th that's been the most important driving force with me, although it hasn't been very easy, but it's just always been that thing to say, I, I have a final destination no pun intended, but I have a final destination and I might not know how to get there, but I will get there because I understand the significance of what I'm doing in the industry, not only for me, but for young aviators who might come after myself. I, I, I want to get into your, your, your business, right? Um, so you decided, you know, um, was it during COVID? Um, that you wanted to explore um, a private, you know, business in the aviation space by chartering um, planes. Uh, tell me what interested you in that, because, you know, for, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's something that's a bit out of reach, especially, you know, um, well, I, I, let, let me not project, but I think, you know, in a market, especially in, in Africa, only very far and few people um, are able to use those services. And so for you, what inspired um, that, that, that decision and, and to pursue a business um, in that niche um, part of the, of the industry? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been a, a very short, longish journey for me. So how I got into the industry, to be honest with you, was I, I started working, so after flight school, um, you know, everything was said and done. I couldn't find work. So I started picking up work as an operational assistant. So I started working in the flight school and then I said I needed a bigger challenge. And then I moved on to work in the airlines and I needed a bigger challenge on top of that. And I messaged um, a CEO uh, in the industry and I said, hey, dude, I really want to work for you. <laughs> and the guy was literally like, come on Tuesday, let's see what you got. And I came on Tuesday and we had an interview and he said, well, you're hired. And that's how the journey started. And that business uh, was one of the big businesses in the private aviation sector. They were in business for over 20 years. You know, they were doing amazing things. They were servicing the industry. Um, and that's where I got to open my eyes and see the horizon of, you know, the opportunities in the market, the gaps in the market, where the um, setbacks were. But and right before COVID, I had a little bit of an epiphany that said, you know what, if you don't do it now, 
Um, when are you going to do it? You know, sort of that thing of if not now, then when? And if not you, then who? And so ironically, literally right before the pandemic or right before the national lockdowns, I quit my job. I said, I'm going to start this company, which is a private aviation company that will provide accessibility to people who have previously not been uh, able to access the market. Meaning that I want to be able to say that people can go on private jets, even if they're not millionaires or ultra rich. I want to be help, I want to help businesses reach new horizons and new frontiers using private aviation. But how was I going to do that? Well, I needed to formulate a plan on how to make it cost effective. Number one for the normal person, I needed to formulate a plan on how to grow a network, how to grow a fleet, you know, and how to manage all of these things. And luckily enough, uh, my previous boss was, you know, um, a, a very pivotal person in establishing that because he was very transparent. He taught me a lot and he sort of took me by his side. So I was able to learn all of that. And when I started my business, I was really, really inspired to say that, how do we make private aviation accessible? Obviously, COVID um, set us back a couple of months, but, you know, it was perseverance at the end of the day that kept us going and I kept myself going. And so what we're working on and the clients that we've serviced, most of them have been first time flyers. Most of them have been, oh, this is my first time taking a private flight. Wow. And another large part of our clients have been clients that we've said, you can fly anywhere you'd like and everywhere you'd like, you know. And also over time, what we've done is, you know, uh, revolutionized our business and geared towards travel and tourism and saying that how can we service the travel and tourism industry by helping lodges who are outside of, you know, the root network of airlines. How do we get them to get an influx of clients? And how do we get small towns and cities that have airfields? How do we get them connected to the world? And that's what we've been working on and, and, and we've been helping a, a lot of destinations, um, you know, bringing people in, revitalizing local communities and so forth. So it's an ongoing process. And, and that was part of my goal of impact to say, that's what I want to do. I want to provide access to private aviation. And over time, I think, you know, there's a lot of ideas that we want to explore. There's a lot of things that we want to do. But so far, I think, you know, we've started and we've grown sort of um, that little seed in the ground of, of, of providing access. Um, and one of the biggest things that the message that I really wanted to spread was in Africa, um, you know, a lot of people just don't know that you can literally fly to every small town or city in Africa, which is a very uncommon thing, but it's, we have a, an, an infrastructure network that is highly undocumented. We have an industry that is very archaic and for us, it's trying to revolutionize that, the industry and trying to get us to become a world-class continent um, with aviation standards and be able to boost tourism, local economies and have people connected in the world. And I think that's really, really important. I mean, speaking about access, I mean, I, I, and I want us to just get into this discussion quickly, um, especially now that we're approaching the festive season, we're about two months away towards the end of the year. Um, there's going to be a lot of demand for traveling, right? Especially in the airspace. And specifically in South Africa, we are just going through uh, a rather uh, stressful time. 
um, with a number of airlines that have been grounded. Um, and so there seems to be a shortage of airplanes and the price of um, um, uh, flight tickets are just skyrocketing. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's, it's the same in, 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 in other countries, but specifically in South Africa. Um, when you speak about, you know, um, um, providing access to your business, before we get there, I just want us to talk about, you know, the state of aviation in, in South Africa with the number of airlines that have been grounded and, you know, a lot of people just complaining about not being able to afford to travel using um, flights. Uh, what is your view of the situation and how did we even get here in, in just a quick, you know, um, synopsis? Whew. Um, you know, the current state of aviation, we're not in a very good place in South, in South Africa. Mm. I think the rest of the world is moving on from COVID, yes. They're moving on and they're evolving and growing. South Africa at one stage was one of the fastest growing uh, aviation industries in Africa. We're currently number four behind Egypt, Kenya, Ethiopia, and Nigeria. Um, and the reason why is because, unfortunately, in South Africa, we've just had a ripple effect of the economic downturns the country has been facing. We've just had a ripple and, and a massive, massive uh, knock to the industry was corruption. Corruption has literally obliterated um, the whole industry because of, um, you know, maladministration and uneducated people getting into positions of influence and power and turning the strategy all around. Um, and we're facing the after effects of that. What we currently see right now in the market is a lot of companies, to be honest with you, cannot keep up with the demand. A lot of companies struggle to keep afloat because of rising fuel costs. Um, the economic situation in South Africa where clients don't have the buying power, um, operational demands, and, and, and. And so where we find ourselves is we've got a lot of people who are getting introduced to flying. We've got millions and millions of passengers, mm. but we don't have millions and millions of seats available. So you have a basic case of a supply and demand issue. And this is why flights are expensive. And I think where we are in our country, we're at a pivotal point where um, the airline industry needs to innovate, where we need to bring in small players, where we can't depend on big airlines. You know, We need to diversify the market and give clients what they really need and what they can afford. And also having government stand by the industry. I think that's absolutely what's needed and having accountability really from a government side, having accountability on strategy and policy in this country. What are the other ways people can sort of like, um, sort of like um, uh, explore in terms of traveling? I mean, it's going to be chaotic. I mean, towards the end of the year when people have to move in different directions, fly in different ways, what would you say are the top three um, sort of like modes of transport that people should be thinking about? I mean, and how do we sort of work around this, um, um, this situation where we don't have enough um, um, airplanes? Um, flying is definitely out of the picture unless you can afford it. Uh, prices are only gonna go up from here. And I think they're going to probably 2X uh, in the next couple of months when demand um, gets higher people should really start considering to drive uh, unfortunately we had a 
point now where air travel, I don't think will be a very sustainable means of travel, considering that we have a limited route network where we're only connecting major uh, metropolitans. Um, people should start considering to drive. Um, alternatively, people could start looking at ways to save so that they can start flying on cheaper rates, such as rewards points or earning miles or claiming um, you know, giveaways and stuff like that. But really the only um, alternative would be road transport, unfortunately. And you know, as much as I'd like to say that, it, it is for me a very daunting time for my business as we serve the private aviation industry, which is usually for high net worth individuals or the price point is a little bit higher than airlines. And we're working to turn around sort of our business model to better accommodate um, you know, low cost flying. And we're looking at ways to, to generate funding, number one, but to also look at how the market is moving so that we can uh, better move in the direction of where the market is going. Um, just to close it, close it off, I mean, your, your work is incredibly inspiring. Um, where do you see your business going? And, 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 you know, where do you also see your career um, in aviation um, taking shape, you know, in the next five years? Whew, that's a very difficult question, but um, I'll start with the first question. Uh, in the next five years, I think my business, uh, we're going to be one of the biggest and largest emerging aviation companies in Africa, pioneering private aviation, but also pioneering um, resourceful flying. We really, really want to start innovating uh, in the aviation space. And I think in the next 10 years, we see ourselves as pioneers of eVTOL flying, which is um, electric vehicles or drones and unmanned aircraft flying. We really, really want to become the pioneers and market leaders. Um, with regards to my career, I have very, very big ambitions. Um, I think in the next couple of years, I really want to step out and explore sort of stepping into more influential roles, uh, probably in government or in policy making and looking where I can better impact outside of my business. Um, I will definitely still be flying, of course, um, but I think one of the big, big areas I also want to look at is also investing in the innovators and leaders of tomorrow in aviation and looking at starting up either an investment fund um, or you know, helping give opportunities to young people who really want to make a difference in aviation in Africa and connecting people and looking how we can transform travel. I think travel is one of the, the, the largest emerging markets in Africa and there's so much more to do. And I want to see if, you know, maybe there is a gap for people like me to start playing an important role in connecting people, in helping the local uh, industry, the travel industry and aviation industry grow exponentially. Wow. All the best, Greater. Um, I have no doubt you'll definitely achieve all of that. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, really appreciate it and wish you all the best.